slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, happy Tuesday, everybody. We have got so much more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast as the Islanders secure a 4-1 victory over the struggling Detroit Red Wings in Detroit. And uh, that is the 10th loss in a row for the Red Wings. They are now 0-8-2 in their last uh, 10 games. The Islanders, meanwhile, now 8-0-0 against the Atlantic Division. An exciting win. We will break it down and analyze it. We will also preview tonight's game in Montreal against the Canadiens. And we will have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more to talk about. But let's start out in Detroit, the Islanders and the Red Wings. And as expected, Simeon Varlamov in goal as the Islanders continue their policy of alternating goaltenders. Jonathan Bernier in between the pipes for the Red Wings, who are just a team that is completely beat up in this game. And the Islanders, you know, did a pretty good job Overall, you know, Varlamov had to come up with a couple of pretty big saves. But, you know, in the end, the Islanders trying to change their fortunes a little bit. Get some more goal scoring. They've been struggling to score goals in recent games. The power play, 0 for 11 over the last four games. And they didn't even have a power play opportunity in the 2-0 shutout win against Columbus. But early on in Detroit... The Islanders do get a power play as Darren Helms shot the puck over the glass. That's the delay of game penalty, but the Islanders do not convert. The best possibility on that power play, Broussard, a shot from the slot, but Bernier made the save, and at the end of the day, the Islanders' power play does not convert its first opportunity. But Anders, uh, Anders Lee... 8.46 into the game, scores on a rebound, one of those beautiful dirty goals where he gets the puck in the crease, pokes it home, Barzal and Ryan Pulak get the assists, and at 8.46, it's 1-0 in favor of the New York Islanders, and that was really uh, a strong play right there. Uh, by Barzal, and and Barzal now with 23 points on the season at that point in 25 games, and and that was a very strong play by Barzal. Now, uh, the Islanders kill a penalty in the first period, and then they end up with 
an opportunity to extend their lead. And at 13-17, Anthony Beauvillier ends up putting the puck home and making it 2 to nothing. Islanders, Josh Bailey and Ryan Pulak with the assists. Bailey really making the play, setting up Beauvillier on the breakaway. It's his ninth, and uh, Bailey and Pulak on the assist, the second assist of the game for Ryan Pulak, and then, uh, you know, Bailey really making this play possible, and Beauvillier, nice use of his speed and his playmaking ability at the end of the first period. The Islanders led two to nothing, as you know, and they had another good chance shorthanded as Clutterbuck had a chance to score, but Bernier managed to make the save, and the Red Wings outshot the Islanders in that first period 11-9, but the Islanders held a 2-0 win, and two goals, a pretty big one, a, a, a big lead because the Islanders, you know, like we said, they've struggled to score goals over the last five games, and, uh, you know, Getting two goals in that first period certainly puts things in perspective. It, it, it gives the team some confidence and some momentum. Now, the Islanders got into a little penalty trouble midway through the second period as a, a holding call against Nick Letty. He held Dylan Larkin and very quickly... After the power play gets underway, 10 seconds in, Larkin himself converts. Tyler Bertuzzi and Philippe Zadina get the assist. It's Larkin's seventh of the year, and it comes at 10.36, and that makes it a 2-1 hockey game midway through the second period. So, you know, the Islanders taking some bad penalties in that second period, and it sort of got them into trouble. You know, they killed off the high-sticking call on Anders Lee, the delay-of-game penalty on Devin Tays, and then Letty goes off for holding. So you had three penalties in a span of 5 minutes and 26 seconds. They managed to kill off the first two, but could not convert uh, or or prevent the Red Wings from scoring. Uh, on the third opportunity, Varlamov had a shutout streak of 76 minutes and 30 seconds that was broken up by that goal in the second period. Now, the Islanders did set up a 5-on-3 advantage as Barzal drew interference calls on both Franz Nielsen and Nemeth, and all of a sudden, 5-on-3 for the Islanders. They don't score on the 5-on-3, but they do get a power play goal on the 5-on-4. It comes at 16-34 as Jordan Eberle banks one off the right post, and it's 3-1 Islanders. Anders Lee and Nick Letty get the assist. The Islanders get that power play off side and take a 3-1 lead. That's their first power play goal in five games, and for Eberle, his first goal of the season, and that is a big deal. You know, when when you're struggling like that, when a, a player like Eberly, who's used to scoring goals with some regularity, doesn't have the ability to score, you know, goes through a slump, and that's when a player can press. They, you know, feel the pressure of not living up to their contract. They want to be contributing to the success of the team, 
and that's when a slump can be prolonged. So a great situation for the Islanders. They end the power play drought. They take a 3-1 lead after two periods, and Eberle gets off the schneid. A very good combination of things for the Islanders. After two periods, they're being outshot 23-15, but they hold a 3-1 lead. Lots more to talk about here. We'll break down the third period of this game against the Red Wings. We'll have this date in Islanders history, and we'll preview tonight's game in Montreal against the Canadiens. All that and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So as the third period begins, the Islanders do the one thing that they really couldn't afford to do. Otto Koivula off for tripping at 2.37, and all of a sudden Detroit down two goals, has a golden opportunity to get back into the hockey game. And thankfully for the Islanders, Varlamov comes up big and manages to keep it a 3-1 score, making a couple of big saves, but a lot of pressure applied in that situation by the Detroit Red Wings, and again, Varlamov playing outstanding hockey for the second game in a row. It remained a 3-1 hockey game until 13-24 of the final stanza when Eberle pokes home his second goal of the night. It was controversial. It was reviewed as to whether or not there was contact in the crease, but in the end, the goal stands. Eberle, his second from Pulak and Leo Kamarov, and two goals for Eberle, a big night for him. The Islanders take a 4-1 to lead, and that is the way it ended. 30 saves on the night for Varlamov, and the offensive stars for the Islanders, Jordan Eberle, as we mentioned, two goals on the night, while Ryan Pulak, three assists and a plus three. Adam Pellick, a plus two on the night. Uh, but again, the Islanders getting points from their defensemen, and that always, always is a big thing. Meanwhile, in the faceoff circle, Casey Sezikis goes 10 out of 18 for 56%. Brock Nelson, again, the best Islander faceoff player out there, wins 8 out of 11 for a 73% faceoff success rate. The Islanders climb to a 4-1 to win and improve their record on the season to 18-5-2. That's good for 38 points. They are right now five points behind the Washington Capitals, although the Islanders do have three games in hand as of right now. And again, for the Red Wings, their 10th consecutive defeat. They are now 0-8-2 in their last 10 games, and they have, you know, they're just one of the worst, if not the worst teams in the NHL right now. A lot of injuries they're dealing with, but uh, this is a team in full rebuild mode. And, you know, the Islanders struggled. They were shorthanded a lot in this game, and, uh, you know, six power play opportunities for Detroit. Ten of Varlamov's 30 saves came when Detroit had the man advantage. And, you know, they say when your penalty kill is at its best is when your goalie is your best penalty killer. And Simeon Varlamov certainly proved that today. The only goal Detroit scored did come on the power play, but the Islanders doing a good job holding them to one for six on the game. 
and getting the job done overall. So a good performance, especially by Varlamov killing those penalties. And when you look back at this game and you look at the shot, uh, you know, the shots and where they were taken from and you, you think about it, so many of the Detroit shots were taken from behind the faceoff circles, from, you know, the blue line to the faceoff circles. They had a bunch in close, you know, maybe seven uh, shots from the slot area and from below the circles, but most of those shots from the point, from the behind the circles, and that meant Varlamov had a good chance to see those pucks and make those saves. The scratches tonight for the Islanders, the same threesome as a Saturday night. Michael Dalcole sitting out, Noah Dobson again, a scratch on defense, and Ross Johnston sitting this one out for the Islanders. So uh, those are the scratches. Meanwhile, you know, again, Ryan uh, Pollock, three assists in this game, and that was a big play. Interesting to note statistically that the Islanders not credited with very many hits in this game. You know, usually, regardless of whether they play home or away, the Islanders considered a very physical team. Kamarov with three, Sezikis with three hits, Cal Clutterbuck leading the Islander forwards with four hits. Anders Lee also credited with three hits on this game. But usually, you know, the Islanders have somebody up there with uh, six, seven, eight, or more hits when all is said and done. So overall, less hits statistically given out in Detroit, but the Islanders come away with the victory by a score of 4-1. to one. And look, let's face it, this is what good hockey teams are supposed to do. And this is the encouraging sign if you're the Islanders. First of all, they go out to California. They have trouble scoring. They go 0-2-1 on that three-game California road trip. That could be discouraging if you're the Islanders, but they bounce back. They play Islanders hockey against Columbus, get the 2-0 shutout. Then when you're playing an inferior opponent, and no disrespect to the Detroit Red Wings right now, but let's face it, they are an inferior opponent right now. They are a team that is not playing great hockey at this time. And when you've got a team like that that's in an, you know, a nine-game winless streak coming in, you get them down early and you keep them down. You win the games against the teams that you're supposed to beat. And the Islanders did just that. Was it the prettiest win that they've had? No, it, it certainly was not. They gave up too many penalties and power play chances. They gave up a few more shots than they usually like to. But at the same time, they got the job done against a team they should beat. They beat them fairly handily, got good goaltending, kept a lot of the shots out to, to, to the perimeter, and most importantly, got the power play going and got Jordan Eberle, a player who, according to all accounts, has worked hard in practice over the last few weeks, finally getting him off the schneid. And he doesn't just score once, he scores twice. That's got to do loads for his confidence and give him the inspiration to get out there and, and pick up his game in the coming days and, and weeks. And that's an encouraging thing because, look, the Islanders right now are still struggling to score goals. And having a productive Jordan Eberle in the lineup can certainly help increase their goals for 
over the next, you know, 55 games or so that are left in this season. All right, we've got more to talk about here on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. When we get back, we'll have this date in Islanders history, and we will preview tonight's game in Montreal against the Canadiens. All that and more to still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, it is time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to December 3rd, 2006 at Madison Square Garden in New York. Islanders versus the Rangers, a game that saw each team have a player with at least a hat trick and uh, a pretty open and wild game between these two big rivals. And the goaltenders at the start of the game, Henrik Lundqvist in goal for the Rangers, Rick DiPietro in between the pipes for the Islanders. And early on, it was all Islanders. They get four goals in the first period on just eight shots. And at that point, first Miro Satan scores at 7.30. Then it's Chris Simon on the power play, two minutes and five seconds later. And then Victor Kozlov scoring with three minutes and 32 seconds left in the first period to make it 3-0 Islanders. And in the final minute of the period, Aaron Asham, usually more of a physical, banging kind of a player, he comes through with a goal to make it 4 nothing in favor of the Islanders after 20 minutes. That's four goals on just eight shots on goal. And at that point, the king, Henrik Lundqvist, asked Tom Rennie, his coach, to be removed from the game. And he came out for the last 40 minutes of this contest. Kevin Weeks comes on in the second period to replace Lundqvist. And all of a sudden, the Rangers begin to bounce back. First, Brendan Shanahan scores shorthanded on a two-on-one break at the 6.45 mark, and it's 4-1. to one. Then Yaramir Yager, a wrist shot with 3.38 left in the period, and then Shanahan scores a minute six later on a wrist shot, and all of a sudden, that 4 nothing Islanders lead has been reduced to 4-3 with time running out in the second period. But the Islanders managed to get back into the game. With 1.19 left in the second period, Kozlov scores his second goal of the game, and after 40 minutes, it's 5-3 Islanders. 7.01 into the third period, Brendan Shanahan completes his hat trick. And all of a sudden, again, a one-goal hockey game. The momentum belonging to the Rangers, but then the Rangers' Adam Hall hits Chris Simon in the face with his stick, and then the Islanders convert. Kozlov scores two goals on pretty passes by Richard Park. The first one comes at 13.52, and then with a minute 36 left, Kozlov gets his fourth goal of the game to give the Islanders a 7-4 victory at Madison Square Garden. The Islanders outshot in this contest 43-21, but managed to get the win. 31 block shots by the Islanders in this game, including 12 by Sean Hill, and this was Ted Nolan, his first win in the rivalry as Islanders coach. So again, this date in Islanders history, the Islanders 
skating away with a 7-4 win at Madison Square Garden way back on December 3rd, 2006. Alright, time to preview tonight's game in Montreal against the Canadiens. It's a 7 o'clock face-off in Montreal, the first of three meetings between these two teams. Montreal, fresh off a loss to the their big rival, the Boston Bruins. They come in at 11-10-6, which presently places them in fifth place in the Atlantic Division, two points behind the fourth-place Maple Leafs, although the Canadiens have a game in hand on Toronto the last game they played a 3 to 1 loss in Boston. So, a little bit of a of a slump here for the Canadiens and they enter this game having lost their last 8 games and I'll tell you when things like this happen in Montreal, Quebec, they don't take it so easily. This is a team, a franchise obviously with a lot of pride and yet they are struggling big time, and it doesn't go over well at the Bell Center and in Montreal. And the amazing thing, you know, Carey Price has been a rock in goal for Montreal for so long, and yet right now, the Canadiens are 30th or next to last in the league in goals against. And Carey Price, although he has a 10-9 and 3 record, 10 wins, 9 losses, 3 overtime losses, a very below average 3.18 goals against average and an 898 save percentage for Carey Price and that is a big surprise uh when you look at the standings and see what Montreal is doing. The other thing that's surprising you know, in recent years, Montreal has struggled to score. Right now, they are ninth in the league uh, in goals scored, getting pucks into the net a lot more than they are now keeping them out. Their leading goal scorer, Brendan Gallagher and Joel Armia, both tied with 10 goals. Thomas Tatar has nine goals and leads the team with 24 points. Defenseman Shea Weber Eight goals and 21 points. The 21 points puts him second on the team. You look at the lineup. Philip Dano is the center of the top line with Tatar and Brendan Gallagher on his wings. Then you look at the second line and you have Max Domi, son of Ty Domi, a former Ranger and Maple Leaf, centering Nick Cousins and Nick Suzuki. Uh, so that's the top six skaters there for Montreal. And then Shea Weber and Ben Cherot on the first defensive pairing. Brett Kulak and Jeff Petrie are the second defensive pairing. The big thing, though, again, has been defense. It has been a problem for Montreal all season, but especially during this prolonged slump. And the other area, and this is kind of encouraging for the Islanders, the penalty kill in Montreal, 30th, next to last in the league, 73.2% success rate. So again, the Islanders, this sort of plays into their hands because the Islanders are a defense first team. You expect Tomas Grice to be the goalie. He says he should be ready to go. And uh, Barry Trotz indicated that Grice 
if he's ready, will get the start on the second of these back-to-back games. So the Islanders will keep alternating their goalies. And then Trotz said he will reassess his goaltending situation. And again, I like the way Trotz is handling this. He is simultaneously telling the goalies they have to keep performing well in order to get ice time, and yet giving them each opportunities to play every other game and get into a rhythm and play with confidence. So we'll see how this one goes. Another team that is struggling, another winnable game on the schedule for the Islanders, and uh, hopefully they are able to take advantage and put some pucks in the net. We will be back tomorrow to analyze it, break it down, and tell you everything going on. Of course, we'll also have the farm report as we do every Wednesday here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email the show at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you have something you want us to discuss, a question, a comment, uh, just leave your name and where you're from, and we're happy to read those on the air and talk about anything that's on your mind. You could follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, or you could follow me on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. That's uh, at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. And uh, we will keep you up to date on all things Islanders uh, on Twitter and, and via email. That's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Locked On Islanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.